Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. We are your hosts, Josefa Kapadia and Jasper Rivers. Get paid for your pad. 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 This is podcast episode 240 of Get Paid for Your Pad. My name is Jasper. And I'm here with uh, Patrick. He's uh, the big man for uh, Far International, a uh, a real estate company here in uh, in Colombia. We're we're in Cali right now, and um, you know I thought it'd be fun to do this podcast episode live. Um, you know to kind of uh, you know make it a little bit more interesting. So uh, Patrick, yeah, what's up, man? How's it going? Good, man. Life is beautiful in the jungle. Well, life is beautiful. <laughs> life is beautiful now, but uh, you know the reason I want to talk to to Patrick, you know, it was not only because uh, he knows a lot about short-term rental investing here in Colombia, but he also got scammed out of a hundred thousand dollars here in Colombia. So, you know, I want to, I want to know like what happened. I want to know how other people can, you know, prevent this from happening. That's, I guess, that's the most important thing. Uh, but before I get into that, uh, Patrick, what, how did you end up here in Cali? So between my bachelor's and my master's degree at the university, I got kind of fed up with the suburban life in Denmark. I'm from Denmark and bought myself a motorcycle, broke up with my girlfriend after seven years and rode it from the United States to Brazil. Wow. And on my last night in Cali, I met a beautiful little brown eyed girl. And brown we danced a little. Yeah, we danced. It's always the brown eyed girls. <laughs> it's always the brown eyed girl. We danced a little bit and she dropped me off at my hostel. And the next day, she sent me an email that she wanted to see me again. So she flew into Lima. We spent 10 days riding a motorcycle from Lima up to Cusco. Then we split up for another five months. But again, Brazil did about three months, uh, three weeks together on a motorcycle in Brazil. And the year after this long motorcycling trip, which was 15 months in total, we met in Italy. She got pregnant, and I had to make an adult decision, and I decided to start my life here. Awesome. Well, let's go back a bit. You you did a motorcycle trip from the United States all the way to Brazil. Yes, sir. So does that mean like you went through Mexico, like, you know, Belize, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, all those countries? Every single one of them. 18 countries, 54,000 kilometers. Wow. <laughs> That's a bit of an adventure. Uh, I, I have one question out of curiosity because I know you can't drive from Panama to Colombia. Did you take a boat there or...? Well, you can take a boat. A lot of people, they'll put their motorcycle on a sailboat and sail it from uh, Puerto Bello in Panama into either Turbo or Cartagena on the, Caribbean, on the Caribbean coast or Atlantic coast of Colombia. The thing is, most of these sailboats are small and the weather can get quite rough and they end up getting splashed with salt water. So it's a really bad idea, to be honest, even though it's beautiful and you stop in the San Blas Islands. So what I did, I took my motorcycle to a company called uh, Girac. G-I-C, no, G-I-R-I-C, Carga, in Panama City Airport. And you pay them $800, you disconnect the battery, you empty the tank, and they deliver your motorcycle to you the next day in Bogota Airport. And that's what I did. Oh, so they fly it there. Yeah, they fly it there. Ah, nice. Interesting. Wow, that must have been a bit of an adventure. Did you get in trouble at all, or was it a smooth ride? 
to be honest, I didn't even have a flat tire. So trouble. I didn't really get in big trouble. I think it's a big myth that it's really dangerous to travel here. I had a little bit of an issue with corruption, border patrols, mostly in Honduras. But everything else was pretty much smooth sailing. Of course, you always run into a little bit of, uh, yeah, highway police asking for a little bit of money, especially if you don't have your insurance in order. But most of it is easy to solve. And most people are friendly and happy to help you on the road. So. No, no big trouble. I had my uh, my share a bit of fun with the with different police agents uh, recently in uh, Mexico and also in uh, in Panama. Yeah, in Panama they let me go, but in Mexico I was driving with an expired driving license. Yeah, and I ended up uh, having to pay like six hundred pesos, which is about what is it like thirty dollars or so. Um, so it's you know, not not that big of a deal, but um, you know the, the the official fine was going to be like three times as high. So you know I got, I was pretty happy about that. There you go. And it's actually funny because I was, I met up with another guy on a motorcycle and we went through Nicaragua together and we got pulled over straight when we pulled into, Puerto, uh, into Nicaragua. And the first thing they started asking for insurance paper, passport, all of the official documents on a motorcycle. And there was a female police officer and she saw the blue eyes of one of my friends and she forgot everything about the fine. She just wanted to know where we were. She wanted to get his Facebook. She wanted to go out with us that night. Uh, so, yeah, Nicaragua, highly recommend it. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I haven't been, but sounds like I need to go there. Um, if you can get away with everything, uh, you know, just by having blue eyes. Um, all right, so let's get into uh, what happened here at Cali. So you, you moved to Cali. Um, you, you know, you started your family here with, uh, with your girlfriend, who's now who's your wife. Yeah, we're not married, but yeah. Okay, right. People don't marry anymore in Denmark either, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's for all times. <laughs> and all of people don't marry either. Um, but anyway, so you, you settled down here and uh, you started a blog, uh, what's it called? Kali? Kali Adventurer. The KaliAdventurer.com, is it? Yeah. So if people want to know more information about Kali, about this beautiful city here, go check out KaliAdventurer.com. Lots of good videos on there as well that I've watched. Uh, and then what's, uh, what happens? So I came here without a job, without friends, without speaking the language, without knowing the city. And basically I became a full-time dad from the first day. And I spent the first eight months cooking, cleaning, taking care of my daughter. And I didn't know anybody, so I just put my daughter in the car every day and go explore a new part of the, t of the city. And slowly I would pick up the Spanish and... And slowly I would get an understanding for how to get my way around. So slowly I would make contacts with accountants, builders, contractors, lawyers, and, you know, figure out how to do business in this country. And the first deal we did, me and Jessica, who's the mother of my children, my beautiful girlfriend, was that we bought a piece of land in a neighborhood called Cristales here, a very high-end neighborhood. We're supposed to build 18 apartments on this piece of land. Six-story building, three apartments on each story. And we bought the piece of land. The transaction was successful, so to speak. Three months later, when we began building, it was a terrain, and we're in an earthquake zone, so you have to do soil samples. So we brought out the big machinery and started doing soil samples, and a guy came running up and said, what are you guys doing? This land belongs to my family. I was like, what? We just bought this land. No, 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 no. It belongs to my family. And of course, we stopped the machinery. We sat down. We talked about it. Called the lawyers. Called the police. And figured out that the man was right. The land used to belong to his family because now the property was in my name. 
And it turned out that he was a victim, of course. He'd been scammed out of his property, but I was also a victim. There was a third party with a fake cellula, which is the, the local ID, who had been selling on his behalf and received all of the money. And he, of course, disappeared. And I'm sitting there as the owner of the property that isn't technically mine, and he is sitting there as the victim. He lost his property, effectively. And now there's a long legal process going on. It's been going on for four years. The prosecutor, first one died, the second one got reassigned, the third one doesn't have an assistant or an investigator, she has 450 cases open, so it's a long and slow process. So I definitely recommend that people don't fall into the same trap that I fell into. Wow, that's crazy, man. Yeah, it was a, a big eye-opener, and of course, first of all, losing the biggest part of your savings is rough. I can imagine, yeah. And second of all, being in another country where you don't understand the ins and outs of the legal system, you're not sure if you can trust it. The first lawyer we had, he said, no, let me pay the prosecutor a little bit under the table and uh, we'll push this. It should be, you know, we should settle this case in about six months. And of course, that didn't happen. It, uh, like I said, it's been going on for four months, uh, four years now. They've identified the people that scammed us because they have their fingerprints from the notary. Uh, they also needed to cast a check that we paid them with uh, through the bank. And they also took pictures and used their fingerprints in the bank. So they've been identified. That was two years ago. Nothing has happened. So but they're still free. And, yeah, they're still walking the street, probably like scamming other people. So you didn't get your money back. No, I haven't received my money back, which was one of the reasons that I had to become an employee, which then became a partnership with the Far International. Right. So, you know, let's go back a little bit. Um, I'm just trying to imagine like how this process goes, right? So you found a piece piece of land. Um, you know, I'm sure like the, there's a process for buying land here. You can buy land as a foreigner in Colombia, by the way. Yeah, there's no restriction. You okay. can register property with your passport number. Awesome. So you found this piece of land, and you know you have a lawyer. Of course, I'm sure you did some some research, some due diligence, and stuff. Um, and at, at any point in time, were you suspicious about anything, or was the lawyer suspicious about anything? No, not really. I mean, they do a background check mostly on the people. There's something called the Clinton List in Colombia, which um, came through a collaboration with President Bill Clinton in the United States, where they made a list of all the people that have been accused of drug dealing either in the United States or in Colombia. And uh, you're supposed to stay away from properties that belong to them. And of course, then there's a study of uh, the linderos, which are like the borderlines of the property to make sure you're not stealing anybody from a neighbor or something. But the names and everything came all right. It was simply a matter of a person having access to the names and, and documents and falsify them, basically. Right, because, you know, I'm sure, like, there's a central registry, right, for houses and for land. Yes. And in this registry, you can see who owns it. Yes. And so this, so basically what happened was this person was pretending to be somebody else. Yes. Right? Yeah, and uh, the title is public information as well. You can go to the notary and get a copy of any title here. Right, got it. Okay, so that person had a false ID. Yeah, he had a false ID. Yeah. And he faked the signature. And here's a big key, and it's going to be a lot harder for people to scam the same way that I got scammed today because when I got scammed, they didn't have digital fingerprint recognition in the notaries, which they do have today. Right. Which is going to prevent 99% of cases in the future like this. Um, so what happens is right now when you sign a notary, it's not really your signature that matters. It's your fingerprints that they match it up against the national database where all Colombians have their fingerprint in a database. So if you're signing as Oscar, but in reality your name is Carlos, then it's going to you know, sound a red alarm, flashing all the lights, and the transaction will not right. go through. 
So the system has gotten a lot safer now. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I remember uh, when I when I bought the property here in Cali, I, I had to sign some documents, and a lot of documents also required my fingerprint. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a bit, I mean, in Denmark, we don't use fingerprints for anything. It's like your signature is your signature and everything's so digital that they don't really care about it. But Colombia has been a country where, let's just say that people have been very creative in their scam, yeah, in their scamming activities. And yeah. they require a lot of paperwork, a lot of documentation. When you bring money into the company, into the Colombia, you need to register it correctly with the uh, Banco de la Republica, which is essentially the national bank here, they need to do background checks, money, and anti-money laundering checks to make sure that you actually earned the money or inherited the money or took a credit, but it's not money that you made through uh, illegal activities. So there's a lot of steps involved, but uh, in my opinion, it's worth it because I see a lot of upside here in the market and the rental yield is also very generous. All right, so let's get into the short-term rental opportunities here in Colombia. Um, it's a it's a little bit complicated how it works, right? Because there's some yeah. regulations, there's some you know, restrictions on like short-term rentals and stuff. So can you kind of explain in in, in a nutshell if somebody wants to come to Colombia and invest in in short-term rental, like what what are the rules, what are the opportunities and the regulations? Sure. So what happened was I think due to a lot of hotel lobbyism about six seven years ago, the Colombian government passed a law effectively making short-term rentals illegal unless 70% of the owners in the building agreed to it. And making 70% of the owners in a building, let's say you have 20, 30, 40, 50 apartments, could be almost impossible. Most of them would be long-term residents. They're not interested in having a huge flow of foreigners passing through. And some of them come here, party hard, you know, make noise. And it's just, uh, yeah, it was an uphill struggle. So first of all, getting a 70% vote was an uphill struggle. The, <coughs> the other challenge, was um, that they they made you register your property with the Ministry of Tourism, which is, they call it Registro Nacional de Turismo. It's something that all the hotels, apartment hotels, hostels, bed and breakfast, they have this register. And in order to get this register, you need to comply with 92 different bullet points. And it varies from how you're handling garbage, how you're training your staff, what are you going to do with... Um, you know, signage, are you going to have uh, fire extinguishers? How, what are you going to do to promote uh, the artisan community in Colombia? There's just a lot of stuff you need to take care of. So they're making it complicated effectively for small people or, or small businesses to comply, thereby making it easier for the big corporations like Hampton, like Hilton, the Intercontinental, right. like uh, the struggle between the, the small guy and the big guy. Yeah. I mean, are these regulations, is, is that a result of like the lobbying and the influence of the, of the big hotels you think? Yeah, I mean, the government would never admit that, of course. They're saying they, they're, they're, you know, they want to make sure you have handicap access or how are you going to deal with those kinds of situations. They're going to try to defend it and say that they're just trying to increase the standard for the hotels in the country overall to make sure that the image that the foreigners get, the first impression when they yeah. stay in Colombia is good, especially after coming out of a, a dark shadow of having such a poor reputation for many years. So the government will never admit that. But as a small business owner, you definitely feel it intimidating trying to comply with all these things. Yeah. Yeah, that and makes sense. So what we do, instead of trying to convince 70% of the homeowners in a building to comply with all the regulations, which is practically impossible, we buy full buildings. And in the case with the unit you bought, we bought a full building with one title, we did a subdivision, and then we rewrote 
the homeowners association rules and we registered it so that we can do and short-term rentals. We also made it so that they need a 100% vote in your situation in order to change the homeowners association rules, making sure that you bought into a property and that you can keep doing your short-term rentals and none of the other buyers can change it effectively. Right. Everybody needs to agree with it. And then we went through all the hoops and steps and we're in it right now on your behalf, trying to comply with the 92 regulations that we need to come up with. And to be honest, it's such a headache to say mildly that we've hired an outside advisor to yeah. come and help us with it. And she does it for all the hotels. She has a game plan. She has all of the templates that you need where you pretty much just fill in your address, your name, and you know, this yeah, is uh, yeah. this is the task and this is, uh, you know, the steps necessary in order to overcome the hurdle. So we have an advisor helping us on the project. Man, it's a, this sounds like extremely complicated. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a lot of work, but once it's done, it's done. Yeah. And it also means that, I don't know if you've, if you lived in Colombia and if, if you're in this industry, sometimes you'll see the news where the, the, the tourism police comes and they shut down entire buildings for doing illegal short-term rentals yeah. where we have everything in order. Every right. single person that comes in and stays at our properties, we register them with migration. We have... Uh, all the, the fire extinguishers in place. We have smoke detectors in place. We have a plan for handicapped people. We have a plan for how we support the local artisans. I mean, we have a game plan for everything. So once you're in there, it means that, wow, now I'm actually doing business legally. Right. And it's a, it's a plus in the long run. It separates you from, from the rest of the market. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, the, you know, more complicated it is. It's initially, if you have, you know, when you go through that stuff yourself, it's a pain in the ass, but then, you know, it also makes, it's, it's a threshold for other people to enter the market as well at the same time. So it also uh, is a way to, you know, stand out from, uh, from the crowd, basically. Yeah, and what you realize is probably 95 or 99% of all the listings on Airbnb are probably illegal in Colombia right now, which is changing. I mean, people, more people are starting to formalize their business. But the one, number one recommendation would be if you want to buy into the short-term rental, you usually you get a full building for yourself or you buy into a building or an apartment hotel where they have already approved uh, in the homeowners association that you can do the short-term rental. Right. You don't, want, you don't just want to like buy uh, an apartment in some condo and, and then later find out that you know, you're not actually allowed to, uh, to do short-term rentals. You own a few uh, apartments here in Cali, don't you? Yeah, and that was uh, one of my first wake-up calls when I started in this industry. We bought a beautiful little apartment. We thought we had a killer deal right in front of the Sagrada Familia five-star hotel they're building around the corner. And it turned out that we bought an apartment in a building full of old people. I think the average age there was like 65. And then we started doing short-term rentals to 15, no, not 50, maybe 20, 25, 30-year-olds. And they're partying all night and bringing young people up. And, uh, and they shut us down pretty damn fast, I'll say. And, and we still have the unit. We have to comply with the homeowner association rules now, which minimum th uh, three month rentals. Three months. Wow. Three months. So by law, anything less than thirty days is considered tourism. But in the homeowner association, they can put a tighter regulation that the rest of the people have to respect. But then again, they need a seventy percent vote to enforce yeah. it. But in this case, it was easy for them to do it because all the people living there were old people, and they were looking to make it hard for us right. and they were fed up with the with the young people partying and having fun even though the location is great we're right in the sonar it's a perfect place to go for young people it was just the wrong building and now i'm struggling to sell that apartment to be honest oh right yeah and where is the zona rosa is that like the, the nightlife area here in cali or so the Sonar Rosa in, in, in Colombian terms is just where there's restaurants and nightlife. All right. So in, in Cali, we have uh, Parque del Perro, 
which is Zona Rosa. Not so much with accommodation, more with bars and restaurants. We have El Peñón, which is a little bit more exclusive, fancy cocktail bars. Yeah. We have Granada, which is also where the new Marriott Hotel is, the Ibis is there. Yeah. The Mobich Five Star Hotel, the Hotel Now, which is also a great place to invest if this is the business you're trying to get into. And then we have a little bit of a Sonorosa at St. Cyril, but it's more residential, quiet. Right. And then we have Juanchito, which is far out in the east side of Cali, which is late night partying, and also in, in Minga, northern uh, Cali, where the industrial district is. I wouldn't yeah. invest there necessarily, but it's where a lot of young people go to party at so 6, right. 7 o'clock in the morning. So, you know, for investors, El Pion, which is actually the neighborhood where we are right now and where I built my apartment myself. Uh, Granada is the other neighborhood you mentioned. Um, those are those are two good areas. And what was the third again? Well, I, I mentioned park Parque del Perro. That's just a park. Uh, the area is San Fernando. Uh, they don't have many hotels there, but there's a couple of universities close by. There's a lot of little cheap uh, eating and, 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 and partying establishments. And it's a fun and beautiful little district there. Right. Definitely worth checking out. Now let's talk a little bit about the nightlife here because you know I've I've, I've spent a total of like I think ten days now here in, in Cali, Colombia, and um, I've only been out a couple nights, but I've already seen a lot a lot of the nightlife here, and you know what strike what really strikes me is that how diverse it is. Right here in in El Pinon, where we are right now, there's you know there's kind of upscale restaurants, bars, you know there's like like cocktail bars. Um, but there's also a, a couple nightclubs that are kind of like a little bit smaller, a little bit more exclusive, maybe. Um, you know, not not like the crazy ones that are. I think a further further up north. I, I haven't been to those yet, but I've, I heard there's some like massive clubs with like thousands of people. But then also, you know, there's there's a, there's like late night bars in, in Granada that you can go to. Bourbon Street is one that I went to, and there's all the salsa places. Right, where you basically walk in and like everyone's dancing salsa there, so you know, it's, which which is really fun. Not, not just to try and dance salsa yourself, but also to watch the you know sort of the professionals dance is is pretty cool in those bars. So you can you kind of get everything here. Yeah, you do. Um, first of all, I think Cali, maybe Bogota, probably has a better nightlife if you if you accumulate everything in one place. But I think Cali has some of the best nightlife in Colombia. There's a great diversity. We have electronic you know, down, underground, dark techno places. We have the salsa place. We have rock and roll places with live music every single night. Uh, we have the gay clubs, if people want that. We have the R&B crossover. I mean, you, you can find a little bit of everything here. And you can also find in downtown Cali, which are mostly commercial or um, industrial, semi-industrial districts, you can find old buildings where they put rooftop bars in, and it's a, it's a cool, hip, environment where a lot of students go and hang out it's cheap to drink and you have a beautiful view of the mountains and, and you can watch the sunset uh, so yeah there, there's a lot on offer here it's cheap most of the places are cheap yeah. El Pinion is a little bit more expensive certain places in Granada are a little more expensive but yeah it's cheap and it goes on as long as you want to go <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I noticed that like you know a few days ago we were actually uh, me and uh, a couple of other foreigners here that, you know we were just drinking a glass of wine and then we we're like oh let's go for some food and then you uh, you told us about the salsa place, so we're like, oh, well, let's check it out. Like you know, let's have, let's have one drink there. And then uh, you know, you end up at like five in the morning, and <laughs> you know, you're kind of asking yourself like, what happened here, you know? Um, but um, but yeah, it's it's a it's it's, it's super fun. And uh, you mentioned the prices. I've also noticed there's a there's a massive discrepancy in prices as well, restaurants, but also bars. Like I've I've literally had like 
awesome dinners for like three, three, four dollars. But I've also paid like you know like twenty, twenty-five dollars for for certain meals. And um, you know, there's a there's a cocktail bar down the road, Penelope, it's called. Um, I think the cocktails are like pretty much the same price as in the U.S. Though. Like, yeah, they'll be like, thirteen, fourteen dollars. You want to go in its happy hour, half price. Right, uh, <laughs> which is every bit well Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I think between five and eight. Or so. Right, and it fills up full of pretty people is worth going. Yeah, for sure. yeah. yeah, it's probably it's kind of like the high end like cocktail bar. Um, but yeah, it was, I was a bit surprised. Ordered like a couple drinks and, uh, and you know suddenly it's like thirty dollars. Uh, but then at the same time, you know, we went to the boulevard. We had a couple beers there, and, and then there you get a beer for like a dollar, pretty much, right? Yeah, and one thing I wanted to mention also is that. Where I come from in Europe, first of all, we stand in the bar and we drink a beer. We don't do anything. We wait for the women to come to us, so to speak. Here, couples go out and they'll order a jar of Coca-Cola and they'll dance right. all night. Yeah. And they don't care about getting drunk. They go out to dance. It's like a sport for them. Yeah. Another thing I wanted to point out is that you don't have to be young to go out. They have something called Viojetecas, which means the old people's discotheques. And they shorten down the songs a little bit, so you're not dancing for four or five minutes. Maybe you're <laughs> dancing for a minute and a half, two minutes. Uh -huh. And... But it's traditional salsa, and people age 45 to 70, 80 go there. And usually they start the party fairly early, like 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and they finish around midnight. And some of them go a little bit later. But it's it's great, because where I come from in Europe, you don't see the older generation going out and having fun. But Cali, I mean, the, the salsa is such an important part of the culture, and it's for everybody to enjoy. Yeah. And I mean, it's so much more fun to, to go out and dance some salsa and be social in a social environment and you know to sit at home. And watch TV, which is most, what most of the older people in Holland and probably also in Denmark do. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. There's always something to do here. And there, and also because the city is so big, maybe this is true for many big cities, that it, you went out on a Tuesday the other night, and there's a great party to be found. You can find a great party on Monday, Sunday. Right. It doesn't matter. There's always something going on because it's a big city. Yeah. And then there's always a different crowd. Like I said, it could be the young people. It could be the hippies. It could be the gays. It could be the old people. Whatever you want, it's there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because... I think Cali is not very well known. I mean, when I tell my friends that I'm going to Cali, they always go like, "Oh, cool, where are you going? Like Santa Monica, or like you know." But but nobody knows about the the city, and it has more than two million people. You know, it's a big city. I mean, it's like three times the size of Amsterdam or something. And um, and yeah, I mean, there is just so much to do here. Um, nobody knows about it. The people that know about it, they you know, they, their perception is usually that it's uh, that it's not very safe. So maybe that's another topic we can touch on, uh, the, the the safety, right? What's what are your thoughts on, on safety? So you want the filtered or the unfiltered version? No, just this, 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 yeah, the honest keep one. It real, keep it real. Okay, let's keep it real. So when I came in Cali, the average murder rate was six people a day. That means that they they killed more people in Cali in one week than they would kill in my entire country of Denmark in a year. In a year, yeah. So, I mean, that's a brutal wake-up call. What you realize once you stay here for longer periods is that crime is usually concentrated in small pockets around the city, small dangerous pockets, and usually most of it, especially the killings, happen between gangsters, so to speak, people fighting over territory or women. Of course, there's some random cases where people get robbed and, and killed, uh, which is very, very unfortunate. What I can say proudly now is, or proudly, I'm happily, I say, is that the crime has been reduced about 50%. We're down to about two or three murders a day now. Still sounds like a lot, but like I said, in this part of the city where I move, which is Granada, San Antonio, El Peñón, uh, the Boulevard, Centenario, Santa Teresita, Normandia, you almost never hear about anything. 
putting in these areas. And I walk the streets four o'clock in the morning sometimes and I don't feel intimidated. I do not recommend that people walk around with their new camera or their new iPhone 10, uh, especially not alone in the middle of the night. Of course not. Don't, uh, right. don't, don't give them a reason to rob you. Um, because there is a lot of uh, income discrepancy, which I think is the best word to say. There's a, there's, there are some people that make a lot of money and there's some people that make very, very little money and they get yeah. very, very tempted. Right. So um, be careful. Don't show your things. It's better if you walk around night, be in groups. If not, use a taxi to go wherever you want to go. But to be honest, I've never been scammed uh, other than like by a taxi, <laughs> at least. I've been scammed in a big deal, but I've never been attacked uh, physically. I've never been threatened with a gun or a knife or anything like that. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, it's kind of like where anywhere you go in the world, uh, you just want to use common sense, right? Like, you don't want to go by yourself on the street, like, you know, this WhatsApp on your, on your phone all the time because, yeah, I mean, like an iPhone is probably worth, you know, like a six-month salary for some people. Yeah. And, um, and and like you said, you don't want to tempt people. But this is not just the case in Cali. This is like, you know, in Colombia. This is everywhere, you know? I mean, I go, I go pickpocketed in Amsterdam. I mean, it, it happens everywhere. So... You know, you always want to use common sense. And, uh, you know, like you said, like you don't want to walk around alone at night. You definitely don't want to walk around in, you know, in areas that you're not familiar with. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I mean, from my short experience that I've been here, uh, I definitely haven't felt uh, unsafe or, or threatened. Uh, granted, I've also, you know, only kind of been in the neighborhoods that you described. But then at the same time, like, I don't really see a reason to go to, sort of the dangerous neighborhoods, right? Because what, what, what is there to do right there anyway? Well, I mean, Siloé, which was uh, formerly one of the most dangerous places in town, they now have a, a new cable car where you can ride up and see it. And they're trying to encourage people to come in and, and become part of, not necessarily society, but, you know, start using a little bit of money in the tiendita, eating at the little restaurants. So they're trying to change it, and they're, they're putting in more of a police presence there. One thing I forgot to mention about this part of the city as well is if you want nature, you literally cross the river and you have to hike up to the three crosses. Right. Or you go down to the Sioux and at the end of the road, you have one of the best downhill mountain biking trails in Colombia. And Colombia, or, well, Colombia in general is very biodiverse, but Cali especially has a huge diversity of birds. And I go running in the mountains, jump in the river and, and you know, run back. And it, it's amazing having nature so close to the right. city, which is one of the things that I really enjoy here. I mean, even in the city, like you look at, I mean, there's a tree right outside a building that like, you know, looks like extremely like beautiful and kind of like jungly, like behind the building here, there's, there's kind of like a park with, with lots of trees that like almost looks like a jungle. And then, you know, there's a river in the center of town with lots of beautiful trees and stuff. So I would say like definitely the center of town is, is pretty green. Yeah. And, and, and Cali is famous for its trees. We have the big savas, which are probably three, four, five hundred years old. You'll see them along the main boulevards, and they're drop-dead gorgeous. We also have public mango trees, where you can literally just pick a mango off a public tree, which is awesome. Cool, yeah. And what was I going to say? Um, yeah, I lost it. Well, if you think about what you're going to say, I'm just going to look. There's a bunch of people watching uh, you know, on Instagram uh, and Facebook, so if you have any questions about Cali, about investing, or... You know, whatever you want to know, feel free to uh, just type in the in the comments. Uh, I'll try to keep an eye on it, and uh, you know, then Patrick will, will answer your question. Um, was there any question? Uh, <laughs> you know, like I, I I've I've tried this now a few times. So I'm trying to look. And, you know, a bunch of people are like putting smiley faces and you know, thumbs up, which is you know always appreciated, of course. Um, but uh, you know, I will we'll keep an eye on it. 
uh, the comments kind of like move along, so <laughs> I might have missed a few comments. But um, but anyway, like you, you want to say something else? Yeah, I wanted to add that I think uh, Cali has been very much off people's radar. Most of the people coming to Colombia have been going to Bogota, maybe for business reasons, or Medellin because Medellin has received a lot of good press lately, or Cartagena, which is a famous colonial city and cruise ship destination. Mm-hmm. I do think that Cali is a little bit more rough in the edges. Maybe architecturally, we're not right there yet. Maybe the infrastructure is still lacking a little bit, but there's a massive potential here. We still have the cheapest price per square meter of any big city in Colombia if people are looking to invest in real estate. But also from a lifestyle perspective, if you're looking to come down, and let's say you're, you, you can work anywhere with your computer, that you're a programmer, that you're art director, if you compose music electronically, whatever you do, if you can work with a computer and be location independent, I think that people should definitely come down here. We have one of the most stable climates of any city in the world. It's an average 32 degrees Celsius every single day. And in a rainy season, which right now it goes down a little bit, but it's still warm. I mean, I see you in shorts and flip-flops every <laughs> single day, Jasper. So, and services here, like if you want a massage, if you want to go to the dentist, if you want to go to the doctor, if uh, you, you want to have a maid come and cook for you, somebody to clean your clothes, is incredibly cheap. Taxis are cheap. Eating at restaurants are cheap. Like you said, yeah, you can find a $25, $30 meal. But you, I mean... Most of my meals are three or four dollars when I go out to eat. And like I said, the nature is just outside your door. People are incredibly friendly. I think uh, there's definitely an opportunity, not necessarily to locate permanently, but come and check it out and try to spend a month here. And if you're location independent, well, work a little bit on your computer in the morning, do a couple salsa classes or Spanish classes in the afternoon, and then go practice your moves at night. And uh, yeah, I'm sure you'll have a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, I would say, like, if you think about, like, the reasons why do people come down here, you know, I've done some research uh, before I bought my uh, my apartment here, just to get an idea of, like, why why do people come down here, you know, what's that, what does that demographic look like? Uh, there's a lot of Americans uh, who come down here, either to learn Spanish or to learn salsa, there's lots of salsa in institutions here where, where people will come for, like, two, three weeks, um, and, you know, they take classes every day. But also something that I uh, I found out on the plane was uh, when I when I flew down here, I was sitting next to an American guy and I asked him like, "What are you going to do in Cali?" And he told me he was going to go um, parasailing. Yeah, or paragliding, I think. Yeah, yeah, maybe paragliding. So uh, just a little bit north of Cali, there is one of the most famous paragliding destinations in the world. They had the World Cup there a couple of years ago. It's called Rodanillo, uh, where people come from all over the world. To paraglide and people come all the world over the world to do the downhill tracks and they come to do the whale watching out in the pacific coast which is only two hours away people come bird watching and people come salsa dancing and a lot of people are starting to look for a place to retire where if you're making let's say 1500 or 2000 dollars a month like where can you retire and have a good comfortable lifestyle and still afford to you know have access to health care which is a fraction of the cost easily a third of the cost of the united states um so, yeah, Cali's the place to go. Yeah, and, the, and you know, a friend of mine actually came down to Cali to uh, to get his. Uh, he did a, a, a teeth thing, you know, where he got like the the really white teeth. Yeah, the veneers where they put the, the, veneers, the porcelain yeah. veneers on top. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. They're famous for that. Yeah, yeah. One thing I noticed is that people here they they have very beautiful teeth. Oh, I mean, Colombians are uh, they're great people, but they're also very vain. You know, they would prefer to live in a small little tiny apartment but drive a nice car. But more than anything, they always look good. They're always well dressed. They always have a beautiful smile. Uh, you do see a lot of plastic surgery here, so if that's your thing, by any means, come to Cali. Uh, we even see, uh, 
yeah, we see gay guys with butt implants. <laughs> There's a little bit of everything here. Right. Um, yeah, but they always look good. They always dress well. They're always top-notch in their appearance. So there's a there's a lake which is about an hour and a half drive north uh, from here, which is really good spot for kite surfing. Which is you know what I want to do. Like next time I'm here in a couple of weeks, um, I want to get into the kite surfing there. Have you been to the lake or? Yeah, I've been to the lake. I haven't kite surfed up there. It's an artificial lake, What's uh, it Lago Calima. Lago Calima. So they made yeah. it in order to produce electricity. So they pretty much flooded the valley and they put a electric dam at the end and they used it to produce electricity. But it also turned out because the constant winds coming from the Pacific coast, that it's one of the best places in Latin America to uh, kite surf. And the lake is quite big. They have uh, sailboats there and it's yeah. definitely worth going checking out. It's a colder climate, so you might need to have a wetsuit if you will uh, be, be... Right, it's be, up in the mountains. kite surfing, yeah. Yeah. It is. But it's dropped it gorgeous and I'm sure you, you love it. One thing I wanted to point out, if people are coming down here looking to invest in real estate and maybe do shorter term rentals, Cali has 65 or 68 multinational corporations located out in the industrial in, uh, district in northern right. Cali. And the most successful hotel in Cali is the Spiwak Hotel. And they're adding another 260 rooms to their hotel. So it's going to be the third largest hotel in Colombia. And their main clientele is the, the multinational corporations. And many of these people or, or executives, whatever you want to call them, when they come for extended periods of time, they don't want to stay in a hotel. They right. want a more homey feel. So I think there's a massive potential to tap into um, the, the executive market. We have some engineers now that came from Spain. We have a, had another group come from the United States. And they stay for three months. Right. And if they're used to paying $300 a night per person, and you have a two-three-bedroom three apartment, and you can sell them the month for $2,000, well, then they're saving Massive yeah. amounts of money, they're saving a lot, and they're having a place that feels more like home, where they can invite people over, they can cook. I mean, they don't feel like they can't walk out in their flip flops and their rope in the morning. It's just I, I, I see a big potential there, and the right. corporates uh, are getting their eyes up for it as well. Right? Yeah, because there's another thing I was going to mention. Like, uh, there must be a fair amount of business travelers here, because this is like the large, largest industrial area of Colombia, right? This the state. What's it called? Valle de the Cauca. Valle de Cauca, yeah, it's one of the big industrial areas. Colgate, Palm, Palm Olive, uh, Johnson & Johnson, and many more that I can't even mention. They're here for strategic uh, reasons. Uh, the labor force is well-educated, and it's comparatively cheap, yeah. you know, compared to many other places. And uh, proximity to the port, Buenaventura, which is one of the biggest right. export ports in Latin America, but it's definitely the biggest in Colombia. Right. And it's only two hours away. Yeah. So, um, you know, you touched on the climate, and uh, that's, that's something uh, I wanted to talk about a little bit as well, because, you know, I, I love the climate here. Like you said, it's during the day. It's like, it's always, it seems like it's always the same temperature, and I guess that's because we're, we're very close to the equator, right? So there's no, like, seasons. It's just basically always about 30 degrees or so, um, and, and then in the nighttime, it, it, uh, it kind of, like, cools down a bit, so it's, it's not... It's not so hot at night. Like sometimes I, I actually don't even use the air conditioning. Like I don't have the air conditioning on right now um, because it's not. It's not like you know places like Singapore or like certain parts of Mexico. So I'm sure like uh, when you're on sea level at the, in Cartagena or something, it's going to be much more hot as well, right? Yeah, it's almost ten degrees higher the temperature in Cartagena and Barranquilla and even in Buenaventura out here in the coast. Yeah. But most people don't realize. Maybe it's because the valley is so big that we are actually sitting at 1,000 meters of elevation. Right. And, and we're in the rainy season right now, but 
it, it rarely gets below 25, 26 degrees during the, during the day, which is a perfect climate for me. It means I can wear my shorts, my t-shirts, my jeans today, but um, every single day, all year round. Yeah. For me, that's, that's amazing. You know, you only, I come from Europe. We're used to having four seasons, which I do miss sometimes. I do miss seeing the leaves falling off the trees. I do miss the snow a little bit, but generally speaking, it is so nice to always be yeah. in a warm and nice climate. <laughs> and I, I, we have AC in all of our projects here. We, we install air conditioners, and I do recommend it for people looking to do investment properties here. Install it because many of your clients may come, or many of your clients may come from a cold weather climate, and they do require AC. Yeah. Uh, but personally, I live up a little bit up on the mountains, and I just use the breeze right. from from the mountains. That's all I need. I don't maybe a fan, but I don't use AC at all. Yeah. So we're here at the one thousand meters, which is uh, about three thousand foot or so. Um, so it's you know that brings the temperature down from you know other places on the equator. You can go, you could easily get up to like 35, 40 degrees, whereas here the, you know it's kind of like the twenty-five to thirty range. Um, and, uh, and and also uh, what, what I find really cool is that you know there's the mountains all around us, right? Yeah. And you mentioned the, the the hike up to the mountain right, you know, very close to your house. Uh, which is also a very popular activity here in Cali. Like people hike up in the mornings, and um, you know, I, I've actually, I haven't done it myself yet. Uh, but that's it's amazing. Definitely you, something I want to do. Yeah, you should definitely go. I mean, go early in the morning. They have police checkpoints all the way up, so there's nothing to worry about. Uh, they sell fruits, fresh juices. They sell homemade banana bread, and there's a workout station up on the top. So you hike up. It takes for somebody who's in decent shape probably 45 minutes to get up to the three crosses. I do do a 15-20 minute workout and then I'll walk down again. It's a perfect way to start in the morning. But that's just one of the trails. I mean, there are tons of trails. And in Southern Cali, you have Panza, which is a natural reserve. It's called Parque Nacional de los Farreones, uh, where you have waterfalls and rivers and this big Sunday uh, destination where people go and, and, and eat their, their barbecues and, and jump in the river or in the waterfall. But uh, you also have some very, very high peaks that you can hike. Uh, it's recommended to go by with the guide, but we have peaks as high as 4,100 meters. Oh, wow. That's very, uh, that's very high. Yeah. Now it's starting to rain right now. It's like, I feel like in the rainy season here, it just rains, you know, typically around four five, six o'clock, it will just rain for like an hour or so. But I, I haven't really seen any days where it's been raining nonstop. No, it never rains nonstop. And I mean, to be honest, this is liquid sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a good way to put it. Awesome. Well, um, We've, uh, I think we've covered quite a lot of topics. Um, Israel, anything else you want to share about, you know, Kali, short-term rental, Airbnb, investing, or maybe even Colombia? Well, I think um, Colombia was voted the number one destination or number two destination by Lonely Planet last year or the year before. I think people are starting to open their eyes for what an amazing country it is. It's probably one of the most diverse countries. I mean, we have deserts and jungles and beaches and some of the most fertile land you can find some of the most friendly people and it is very very affordable especially for north americans or europeans even asians and we're starting it's funny we're starting to see uh, koreans and japanese people come to do salsa lessons here oh, which really? is uh, yeah <laughs> quite interesting we've seen more asians it uh, must be an interesting uh, thing to watch so i just feel like it's been a super underrated destination for many years it's starting to open up the infrastructure yeah. is improving it's easy to get from city to city domestic flights are cheap uh, and buses are even cheaper and uh, high quality with Wi-Fi and sleeper chairs and everything. So, yeah, come check it out. I don't think most people would uh, 
most people would leave very, very happy that they came. Yeah, one, one thing uh, that I also think is uh, interesting is that it's, it's very centrally located, right? I mean, you can, you can there's, there's direct flights to, you know, a lot of the countries in South of uh, Central America, you know, we're right next to, uh, what is it, Ecuador, we're pretty close to Peru, Bolivia, um, but we're also not that far away from the U.S., right? There's direct flights to, like, Miami, there's, you know, maybe a few other cities, it's only like three and a half hours or so. Yeah, it's only about $300. Yeah, it's not expensive. But also, like you're you're only a couple hours away from uh, all the Caribbean islands, right? So there's a ton of places uh, to explore from from here within like a few hours or so. Yeah, and, and I've been using the Caribbean islands a lot because I have small kids and they want a beach. So you know, we've been going to Barbados, we've been going to Puerto Rico, we've been going to the Dominican Republic, and it's such an easy flight. I mean, four hours after leaving your home, you're there. So uh, yeah, easy access. Cali Airport now has more than eighty international weekly flights. So yeah, lots of access points, and if not, you have Bogota and Medellin that you connect through. Yeah. Also, you have the low-cost carriers such as JetBlue and Spirit Airways that are starting to move in. We have Viva Colombia, and uh, yeah, I have a friend who flew in from from Fort Lauderdale to Armenia up in the Coffee District, which is right in the heart of one of the most beautiful pieces of uh, of, of nature that Colombia has, and it was eighty dollars return ticket wow. basically. So you can find some really good deals. That's amazing. All right. Well, to uh, to finalize this episode, you know, we started with um, with uh, the story of how you got scammed out of that hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> uh, you know, by the way, thank you for you know with the willingness to share that. You know, like I'm, I'm sure it must have been a big blow at the time, yeah. and something that you might not you know want to talk about too much. Well, it takes a little bit to recover. One thing is, I mean, money is money. It's more emotionally getting back on the horse. And first of all, I just wanted to leave the country. Like, yo, I have nothing doing here. You know, I'm just a foreigner. Uh, but I got back on the horse, and that's when I started writing the blog. And for anybody looking to come to Cali and don't know what to do, check out the blog. There's a post called 101 Things to Do in Cali, uh, which tons of ideas right. for what to do. CaliAdventurer.com. Yeah, you put it in show notes. Let's, um, let's finalize this episode, you know, because we started with the, with the whole, like, the scam thing, you know, like, what will be, like, the, the, the major learning lessons just for anywhere, anybody out, in, out there who wants to buy, like, something in a foreign country? What, you know, what, what have you learned from this experience? Well, first of all, if you want to do business here, speak Spanish. It is the easiest way to do business. If you don't, you need to have a good team. And I think that's one of the things that FAR International has been doing so well, that you know we have the bilingual lawyers uh, that will help you through the process. They'll hold your hand. They'll go with you to the notary. They'll take care of all of it. And then we, for, for the people that we work with, I mean, we take care of all the renovation. They don't have to deal with anything. We deliver key. Key, key, like turnkey product. And so if you want to do business here and you don't speak Spanish, you need to have a very good team. And you need to have patience because things don't happen as fast as you uh, are used to them happening. I mean, you know, we've been waiting 10 days for your internet to get installed now. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, So I actually came down here to Cali in Colombia to, uh, you know, to check out my uh, the penthouse that I that I bought from, from Fire International. And, you know, the, it's it looks great. I mean, I'm... Uh, I'm super excited about it. The only thing that's missing is the internet. And, and you know, like, I mean, <laughs> these guys are, are, are yelling at the internet company, like, you guys have to install this, but, you know, things just, you know, go slow sometimes here. So, um, but anyway, like, I, you know, I, I've been around the block a couple of times uh, and I've been to some countries where, you know, you need to have some, a little bit of patience sometimes with these type of things. So, you know, at the end of the day, uh, what I really love about, uh, about the, the service that you provide is, is, you know, I want to buy a property, 
I want to, I you know, I'll do the research in terms of like location and the dynamics, the market, and everything. But you know, I don't know anything about how to remodel a house. Like you know, I've got two left hands. Uh, I don't want to deal with any any of that. And you know, what I'm what I'm looking for is 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 a place that I can just I can move in. I can put it on Airbnb, and I can just can get started right away. And that's kind of the service that you guys provide. And you know, that's that's why I invested with you guys. So you know, I'm I'm pretty I'm very happy about it. Um, well, yeah, thanks for uh, you know being on the on the show. Um, and, and for the viewers on, on Instagram and Facebook, you know, thanks for tuning in. Um, you know, there's a couple people uh, writing some comments there. Uh, yo, what's up uh, from Medellin? <laughs> My buddy James over there. Borderless podcast, uh, check it out. Um, and um, and yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do these uh, type of uh, live podcast interviews more often on uh, on Instagram and on Facebook. And um, Oh, I'm also in the next couple of weeks or so. I'm also going to do a lot of uh, uh, live videos, uh, you know, especially on Instagram, but also on Facebook. I'm going to show the whole process of how I'm going to set up my Airbnb listing here in Cali. I'm going to show lots of videos about the whole the whole process, but also my my place and you know how I go about like um, you know creating the listing and everything. So you know, keep an eye out uh, on the on the Facebook page on on Instagram, and of course, you know, this is also going to be all these, uh, this stuff is going to be turned into podcast episodes as well. So if you just want to listen to the podcast, that's cool. They're going to be on YouTube. So, you know, they're going to be everywhere. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And I uh, hope you enjoyed the show. And uh, until next time. One last comment. Get out of the rat race. Even if you win it, you're still just a rat. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks for that. Okay. Ciao.